Clara? Yes. Is that important? No, but I'm... Yes. It's Pinterest, and it's working, finally. Hey, you have your whole streaming thing. I get Pinterest. Not while we're trying... I don't watch streams while we're trying to record. Welcome to the Social Marketing Podcast, where we cut through the noise to show you how to engage your brand in the digital world. And now, your hosts, Luke and Clara. Welcome to the Social Marketing Podcast. I'm Luke. And I'm Clara. And today, number on episode number 27, we're starting a brand new month. Yeah. On the time of this comes out, I will be 22 years old. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. And we're going to be talking about unlocking your brand strategy. So, so this entire month, we're going to be talking about branding. We are pivoting a little bit in what we do. Um, we're making some new things up. Not really making them up. We're creating some new things. We're developing some new things. So we're really focusing on branding this month because it is a love of ours and we can't believe that we have to actually focus on it. I know. This will be a lot of fun. Um, branding is... It's great because it's a blend of the technical stuff, but also the creative stuff. Mm -hmm. So you get to have a lot of fun with it along the way. Yep. But first, so are, we're going to, if you're a regular of the podcast, awesome. Thanks for coming back. But if you are new, thank you for being here. We are going to do the structure of this a little bit differently. We're going to have a piece of news, which we're going to discuss in like, that's going to be like the first part. Yeah. Then we actually have our topic, which is going to be the second part. And then we're based on the topic, we're going to have a brand analysis. That's going to be the third part of this. We'll see how long this goes. <laughs> We've been fluctuating wildly in our podcast times and we're kind of solidifying it right now based on what you uh, all like. And uh, what just works best with the actual topic. So first, let's get into our news. So you've heard of it. The Nike ad. Uh, Nina, yes. <laughs> so there's a lot of controversy around it. We're not taking a side. And honestly, I'm not really on a side either. Like, when it, I'm not a sports person. I really don't. I, I, you, I've watched, like, maybe two football, like, full football games in my life yeah. on TV. Yeah, we're... we're we're looking at this from a marketing Exactly. So we're looking at this from a business and marketing perspective. Yeah. And really the point is boycotting. Yeah. Because people, you know, the phrase is any publicity or any any PR is good PR. Right. Not always true. <laughs> Definitely not always true, especially in the modern age where everyone can share anything. A lot of stuff comes out. Um, but with this ad, what I was really wondering about, and this was something that I literally was just researching because I didn't know... And I was asking myself, does controversy and boycotting, is it always good for the company? Mm. Because all of the boycotts that I've personally witnessed always benefited the company. Yeah. That they're trying to boycott against. Because what happens is that a small group goes, we're going to boycott you because we don't like you for whatever reason. Then the large mass consumer base says, well, we're going to support them because we hate all of you. So it sounds like if, if it's... A minority group versus the majority exactly. that kind of dictates whether or not it's harmful to the company. Right. And so you can see this one example. We're going to go back a little bit in time. There's a 2003 boycott, U.S. boycott of French wines for political and various, you know, power reasons, whatever. Interesting to note is that at the time it caused a 26% decline in French, in French wine sales. Oof. Pretty steep, right? Yeah. It didn't last long. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it, it, it corrected very quickly. And to this date, um, well, at least the date, I think this is a slightly... Oh, no, this is a brand... This is, an, this is a study... This article is from 2015. 
Um, you can see it on The Guardian. The links will be all in the show notes at the socialmarketingpodcast.com. Um, you can actually read the articles for yourself. But it corrected very quickly. It did yeah. not have an impact on the politics or the industry. Well, and I mean, come on, boycotting French wine. I mean, California who is the wine, genius? Though. Well, yeah, true. Well, and that's spiraling out into a different conversation. I love California wine, mm-hmm. but the difference is it's not consistent. True. Oh, we had this conversation. At least with French wine, like when you find a good bottle from a good vineyard. That's it. that's going right. to be good wine. The year will vary. Yeah, and but, there'll be some slight. But if you've been doing it for but... three thousand years, yeah. like, you know. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you have the winery pretty pretty stable. Um, but so fast forwarding though, um, and also well, actually no, fast back forwarding, rewinding, <laughs> a, even a little bit farther. I want to back forward. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. Okay. <laughs> Rewinding further, we look at the other Nike um, controversy that happened. You might remember. I mean, I wasn't born at this time. It was in the 90s. I think early 90s or actually like 1990. I forget the exact date. There was another Nike boycott mm. for a very different reason. Yeah. You remember the reason? Yeah. Chi- uh, child labor, right? Yeah. 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 So they got caught um, having a lot of child labor making their clothes. Boo and, Nike. Well, here's the thing, though. And this is something I f- it's so funny. You pointed out. I just didn't like make the correlation. Um, or at least I don't know how it turned out. But we kind of discovered, wait a minute. The reason why that one was successful, Nike was just a huge PR. Like it, it was, it was a huge shift, and they lost stock. Like everything went bad for them. Yeah. The difference between that and this time, right, we're, which we're gonna get to, is that nobody was for them. Like nobody was fighting for Nike on the sli- on the side of child slavery. Right, child labor. Sorry, it's, it's uh, sorry, yeah, I, I went a little bit extreme there. <laughs> We're going all the way, Nike. Good. No, um, yeah, no, no. Care, but yeah. yeah, but even so, yeah, you're yeah, right. No one was for them, obviously. Yeah. So there was no, there was no other side to be like, I hate you. I'm gonna support Nike just because I, I don't do- like you. Yeah. So that's why it did very badly, and they had to change. Whereas if we look today, the current one. Um, oh no! Did I not? I did not copy and paste the statistics into the. Wow. Okay, there. Uh, I, I know this from memory, though. I do. Um, their stock went up to nine point nine billion dollars. I I think originally either you said someone said it went up nine point nine billion dollars, and I went what? Is it <laughs> there is no way nine point nine percent. Yeah, it was something around like ten percent. It went up ten yeah. percent um, from the last quarter. Yeah. So it's doing well. So comparing, because you have people on either side yeah. sharing their voices, sharing their opinion. Like I said, I don't have a, I don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah, I don't like. When neither of us do. Um, but that's the difference. Is that, and then you can see from the stock, from the actual data, is that there was more people on the side of Nike than the side of against Nike. Yeah, or that's just what the it, data shows. It generates a stronger response from right. that side. I think ultimately, like, because we were talking about this, and we're both on the same page. If we were going to do that kind of ad, like an actual ad, th- you know, there's 150 people that you could have picked that really had a, you know, s- something that everyone would get behind. Yeah. Well. So it, the fact that they 
picked what they picked. Wait, what controversy? Well, we all, I, like, uh, I, I feel like this was the result they were looking for. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. They 100% knew exactly what would happen. Yeah. And you bet I want to be like a data, like just in their data analysis of, okay, this is how many people who follow us are for this cause. These are how many people who follow us who are against this cause. Okay, now we need to crunch the numbers. How many are active consumers? Like just the data research that went into that decision yeah. must have been enormous. Well, and if you think about it too, this is a ongoing controversy. Right. Controversy. Is it? I don't even know. Yeah, ever That's, since I don't happened. follow sports. So like it, it, it happened and then it's like been kind of talked about and it kind yeah. of keeps circulating on Facebook. And then it kind of died down and Nike was like, and now we strike. Right. You know, and which now I it's think, kind yeah. of Which this. might have been good with, like, while the fire, like it wasn't necessarily, they like rekindled a fire instead of like jumping on a bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. It's just very like, just, and, and again, right, this is just from um, a business marketing perspective. Exactly. It's very interesting case study. In fact, so I just wanted, I, I was trying to find an answer to my question and I did. So it's a little bit of an older study, which I'm curious to see how a modern study on this, I couldn't find one. Um, but there's a 2011 study that compared successful boycotts to unsuccessful ones. And they found that every single day a company's boycott was in the news its stock declined across the board. Interesting. And of course there are outliers like this. Yeah. But so for people who say any PR is good PR, the data says you're wrong. Interesting. Well, the funniest part is you were thinking that too. Before oh, no, you I did. This research. I, I was like, on, I was like 80% of boycotts only help the company. Yeah. Like that was my stance. Yeah. If not more like the 80, 20 rule, like take it even another step, like 96, four, right. Is the next, is the yeah. next iteration of the 80, 20 rule. Uh, I get really nerdy when it comes to that, like that rule specifically and all the variations it can have. Um, but yeah, so it's just so if you're thinking of just igniting controversy just to get your brand recognized, <laughs> have a lot of data backing you up. Yeah. You, you don't casually step into this and you see companies doing that, like jumping on a bandwagon or trying to do something like, you know, oh, we're going to have like a Fortnite thing like Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, oh, bless his heart. He's so cringy. <laughs> I just don't like he's not like he is not my type of like late night host. Yeah. I'm sure he I mean obviously he has an audience, but he's just not like my type. He did like a a Fortnite stance a contest uh with the beat with BTS, right? Which is the only reason it worked cuz BTS was on there. For those of you who don't know, the most successful boy band uh South Korean uh pop, K-pop. And it was just and I'm like you're just jumping on a bad wagon cuz you'll know this will get views on YouTube and it shows. That's it. Anyway, enough, enough of me ranting about that. But yeah, so interesting study, like I said. So from that, let's actually get into the meat, the topic. Yeah. What we're actually talking about. And let's this kind of it. has to do with this. I tried to have like a, a blend, like my master plan and how all this worked in my head. We'll see if it works. But oh. so we're talking about we're unlocking your brand strategy. So it's to set up the start. Yeah. And uh, what we're really happy to be sharing this is because we recently went through a rebranding through forces outside of our own. Um, we were forced to go through a, uh, a rebranding. Basically, we lost our domain to very nefarious people. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, we have to rebrand. And we did. And even now we're like, okay, we rebranded, but we did it very quickly because we had to get something up. Now we're going to pivot a little bit to really settle in where we want to be and be really happy with where we are. Yeah, and we just figured why not go through this process on a po on our exactly. podcast to kind of showcase what we're doing. So if you guys are in the process of creating your brand for the first time or considering changing your brand and freaking out about right. what that what impact that's going to have, 
we're bringing you along for the exactly. ride. And this applies to companies, personal brands, anything. Like, you name it. Like, a brand is a brand. Everyone, yeah. everything has a brand. Like, I just had this thought, like, like, rocks have a brand. Like, it's just words. It's the idea of it, right? Um, so, the first question, this is the most important question. This is why so many people just don't go anywhere, is what do you want your ideal audience to do? Yeah. What do you want them to do? Forget about figuring out who they are. What do you want people to do? If you could have, if you could sit down a person and you're like, I le- like, I relate really well to you. I want you to be my customer. What do you want them to do? And so this is, so there's a couple different veins you can go with this. Um, the obvious one is buy our thing. Right. So product, service, and if it's a product, it's marketed differently than a service because a service is more hands-on. You're doing things with them, whereas a product, you're buying them and usually, yeah. okay, you're done. A service, you're you're trying to sell yourself versus... Really, the, yeah, the company. Yeah. Rather than selling the actual product yeah. itself. And then the other thing, though, and is maybe you just want them to engage with you. Mm. So, because the thing is, and this is where the audience comes in and... and I, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or not. I might have said it like in one of our little intros. <laughs> um, but I really just understood, like emotionally, deeply registered with me on how valuable having an audience is. I was watching this YouTube, I forget which YouTuber, I might have even been PewDiePie just because like the, the mass of his following is just unparalleled. Um, and 60, I think he's at like 68 million subscribers now. Yeah. He can have a shirt and it just sells out. And we're talking like $40, you know, hoodies and shirts and hat, like immediately sold out, you know, hundreds of thousands. So we're talking like a million dollar day, right? And then we're looking at uh, streamers like Ninja, who easily makes a million dollars a month. Of course, then it goes to taxes and is, uh, there's, uh, there's expenses. Right, of course, he has obviously. But he's easily clearing a million dollars a month. Because he has an audience. And of course, the chances that you're going to get to the top is you, you're competing with everyone in the world. Right. But there is a lot of money just being, just having a, a small, like a, like a good audience. Um, and that's just something that really uh, registered with me is that the value of just having people engage with you, follow you, um, respond to your questions, email you, like just the value of people engaging with your brand in various ways just struck me really deeply. And that was a thing I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to grow my personal brand. Because regardless of what I want to do with my life, if I have an audience, I can say, okay, I'll create this product because I know they'll like it because I'll have, you know, thousands of comments. I'll pe- I can ask them, do you want this? Yeah. And then I can create a product. I can make enough money to live on. I can do whatever I want. I mean, it's so it's ingenious, and it's also crazy to think that our parents or grandparents never had this option. Right, exactly. That's insane to me. Well, I mean, yeah, I think their option really was more of like a, like selling, like selling yourself as a skilled person. Yeah. And selling yourself to companies and other yeah. and places. And to continue on this talk, like on this question, what do you want your ideal customer to do? Um, another great way of looking at it, and this ties into who is your ideal customer. You're, especially if you're starting your own business, more than likely you're passionate about what you're doing, which means whatever products you're creating or service you're giving is something that you either needed or wanted. 
However, some right. way you connect yeah, very yeah, deeply yeah. to this product, which means you don't have to look far to know to ask to figure out the que- answer to this question. So, the question, you know, what do you want your ideal audience to do? What do you want to do? Right. What did you want to do? Well, so there's actually two veins of this, and mm. I'll tell. So I have a story. Is that when I was doing, I think it was the marketing class when I did the cricket. I did. I, yeah. I, so I had. So our pro, our final project, we were marketing a cricket brand. So we actually bought crickets. We created packaging, and like it was, it was amazing. And I still like this brand is something I actually like a company I will create. Like there's no question about it. I'm creating it. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's just it's just fantastic. The whole entire thing was so well done. And during our time when we were creating, it was me, my buddy, well, my school buddy, and then this other two guys who didn't contribute anything. And we were we were talking about who our, our uh, persona was because we had to create this persona as part of the right part of the assignment. And my buddy, he stops. He's like, "Hey, are we are we making the mistake of marketing to college age dudes because we're college age dudes?" So it was, yes. so, so it's, but I, but the thing is, there's two sides of that Yeah. is that like, for me, I create things that I wish I had. And it's very easy for me to find the people. Like, it's easy for me to know who I want to sell to because it's me just a few years younger. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's the same thing. Like this podcast will share but, things that. But even, I mean, I don't think it's ever a mistake to think that way. I always right. think it's like, okay. So for example. Movement is great, right? Movement was created by college guys for college guys. Then they went and branched out and et cetera, et cetera. You know, when it comes, like, for example, event planning. Mm -hmm. Obviously, my target audience (laughs) isn't going to be, you you know, college graduates. I mean, some some of them, yes. But the majority, if I really want to make money on this, especially in the wedding industry, it's going to be older people who are more established and have money. However, that doesn't mean that I can't think, what is it that I want from an event planner. What kind of event do I wish oh. I could have? What events do I like? And and, <clears throat> and then market that to people who can afford you. So it's empathizing. That's yeah. basically what it is. It's it, understanding your, your target market so well that you're able to know what they want. But you're always going to be able to relate to them right. on some level. Otherwise, I'll guarantee you're not going to be successful. That is No, that is a great way of thinking about it. Is put is yeah thinking about putting yourself in their shoes, being them, relating to them in some way, or or you're projecting, right? right. Okay, how well, that, who exactly. would I have to exactly. be in that's order why, to afford me? That's why you need data. Yeah. Oh well, yes, absolutely. That's why you, need. you need to combine the two, but wh- that's how you. I mean, that's the those are the questions to ask to get to this question. Right. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So when you talk about who is your ideal audience, um, I find it so helpful to work backwards. Yes, me is, too. Yeah. So like, what do you want them to do? Okay. Who wants to do that? Yeah. And then backing up. So not just being like, oh, yeah, I think these people want to because I made that mistake and I regret it. I'm like, no, that was like, of course not. Like, of course, that was just a preconceived notion that I had because I didn't I wasn't aware. Like, I've said this, I think, a lot of times on the podcast is that I always had an idea that like girls like the general would think a certain way or do or like like a certain thing. And then you come along like, no, that's not true at all. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't spend, you know, money trying to do something. That would so solve even a problem work. that doesn't exist. Yes. So it's about getting outside your perspective. So and I I mean I've said this a million times before, so just go to forums. Like yeah. I, I love I mean Reddit has been such a gold mine for me. Like just for podcast ideas. For my own personal podcast, for you know, teaching people. It's like, oh, that's something that people want to hear. And then I can think of how I would help them do that. Yeah. All of a sudden, 
I'm more able to help people accomplish their goal. Like I can answer any question. It's about understanding the need. And that really ties into our second question. And I love how you phrased this. And it's what is their selfish goal? Yes. I mean, we all have one. Oh, yeah. Or multiple. Well, but, I mean, a lot of us have a lot. <laughs> yes. But the whole concept of in whatever, with whatever service or product that you're providing, mm-hmm. there needs to be something that gives them that gratification or that fulfillment. You know, whatever. You're touching on something that they, they don't really care what anyone else thinks, but right. they need this or they want this. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you can find that, you're golden. Yeah. Because, I mean, people are willing to pay money for it. Exactly. That's what it well, comes down to. The thing is also with selfish goals, it also helps you differentiate yourself because what's happening is that you are giving them something that's very like deep within them. Because people don't usually share selfish goals. Right. It's a very deep need because we feel bad. Like, we're, like it's it's a thing that only, be- like, not only benefits us, but it primarily benefits us. It's yeah. our thing. And then we's like, oh no, we shouldn't feel like there's all this preconception around it. If you can target that and understand it and be like, hey, I know you want this. Here's what you can do to get this. Do you want to know who does this very, very well? Who? Cigarette companies. Oh yeah, totally, totally. It's all like that's that right there, you know. Yeah. And obviously, we're not telling you be like a cigarette company. (laughs) There's a lot. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Don't promote something that it'll kill someone, but. It's that same concept. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're just walking, like, seeing the ads, like, in grocery stores. I'm like, ooh, that looks cool. And I'm their, because I'm their target market. Yeah. Well, and then imagine, like, right, you're, you're, they're targeting people. Well, they're targeting everyone. Well, but let's, yeah. let's just take one demographic, college students. Yeah. They're targeting a group of people who, A, don't have a lot of money. Yes. B, are pretty stressed. S- yeah. Stressed. Under a lot of stress. So they, they find the right environment. And there's peer pressure. There's peer pressure. There's stress. And then it doesn't matter if you're broke. Yeah, no. You're going to dish out money for yeah. cigarettes I, all the time. Uh, I love, I think, I forget who said this quote. I think it's just a general quote that people say. But it's like, show me show me a man's, well, man, whatever. Or, you know, show me a man's uh, bank account and calendar and I'll tell you how he lives his life. Oh, that's good. I mean, except for my calendar. Well, yeah, I never I put yeah. In it. <laughs> but like, right. The idea is that like you, you, you spend money on things that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And you will sacrifice food, shelter, like you will sacrifice basic needs to get what you want. Or you'll get to the point where you almost, right? Well, yeah. And especially millennials and like the next generation right. down. And this is not a dish because I do this all the time and I think that this is the right thing to do, but it's like. The, the way that we value certain things mm-hmm. has changed. Yes. And so now things that do give us personal satisfaction is a bigger priority in our life. Right. In that, not only and in like personal things, yeah. but also with like nonprofits. A lot of millennials love getting involved, right. love supporting, will are willing to give more money. Mm-hmm. They just need to connect. That's it. You right. need to connect with them and be authentic because they can couple from wherever, yeah. you know, they, when they sense it, they sense it. That's yeah. it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so understand their selfish goal and really you have to get into the, like you have to sit down, like the best way I've found of understanding people's selfish goal is just sitting down one-on-one talking to them. Yeah. It's just pry, prying in. And of course, like I don't, <laughs> I don't interrogate, I'm not torturing them, but you know, I just learned, I've learned very well after you know, doing hundreds and hundreds of just one-on-one coaching. 
is is you just sit down and you talk with them and you just slowly just peel back, you know, yeah. layer after layer. And you're not trying you're not trying to be sneaky about it either. You are just honestly trying to get down to what is it that you really want in life. Yeah. I mean, you do it with your friends all the time. It's like just taking it a step further. Right. And then, you know, finding something and then marketing it towards these yeah. people. That's pretty much what you're doing. Well, I think that leads us also very well to our next point. We've been doing great on these transitions. Yeah. Is what are you going to create to help them fulfill their selfish goals? And move them towards your own. Now, I think this is really the last key of solidifying your persona. Is that not only do they have to want to have your own thing, your thing, but it has, like, your real, dedicated audience, consumers, buyers, if you can align their selfish goal with your product, you're golden. Yeah. It's sold. Like, there's no... There's nothing that will keep them from buying your product unless your product sucks. In that case, it doesn't actually help them fulfill their selfish goals. You're just telling them that it does. Right. So as long as, I mean, obviously, you always want a good product or service, whatever you're selling, to back up what you're marketing. Um, that it, it just goes hand in hand. But if you can align those two things, it's just, it's absolute magic. Mm. And and so there's a couple ways to do that. One is to adapt your product to um, what you find out, what you discover. I know we've done this. I've done this. Is like, oh, you know what? People want this. My audience, my target audience wants this. I'm going to add this into the product. I'm going to change it. I'm going to do, I'm going to change something in order to make it more appealing and help it align with their selfish goals more. Yeah. Or you're like, no, that's not actually my target audience. Maybe I need to change my target audience. Maybe I need to change my outlook. Maybe I need to just do some more digging into different niches I kind of discover what's... And either way is great, right? The yeah. thing about this process is that if you're like, oh man, I just spent all of this time, you know, creating this thing for this one target audience and I've just realized that it's not my target audience at all and now right. I feel like I'm starting oh, from boy. the beginning. Yeah. I I get it. It, it. it feels frustrating. Spending months on something and being like, oh no. But you'll always learn from that process right. oh, yeah. and you'll pivot and the greatest part is like okay cool now you're one step closer to finding your actual audience exactly like to be completely honest i don't think you just find them on the first trip. oh no it like, takes it takes trial and error yeah. but that's the great thing so i love that uh, what i love about this process is that it we haven't at all this is the beginning of the branding process that we're going to guide you through this month we have not talked at all about logos right colors nope feelings <laughs> <laughs> which all play an important which, role and we're going to get into yeah but if you found if your foundation of your brand, your company, your product, like everything is on that, it's 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 not gonna stand. Yeah, it's absolutely not gonna stand. Um, so you starting off with this, you're starting for the solid foundation that's actual, that's based in real life mm -hmm. that you know there's an audience for. It's gonna convert. Now it's up to you is now what you're gonna create to help them fulfill that goal. So whether that's actually the product, but also with your marketing, with your social media content, with your you know podcasts, videos, blogs, how are you going to help them maybe get, um, what is it, I'm trying to remember the quote exactly, but it's something like if you help them get 80% of the way to their selfish goal, and they didn't put it that way, like I, as far as I know, I'm, I, that's the first time I've ever heard that before was when I wrote it um, <laughs> earlier today um, is if you get them 80% of the way to that goal and you're selling them the next 20%, it's such an easy buy. Like there's no question. They're so close. You have something that's going to complete and like that's the buy. Yeah. And of course it depends on the service. It depends on everything. Some 
So with some things, it doesn't really work to give away 80%. <laughs> like, in a service-based business, we're not going to yeah. give away 80% of our social media actual, like, content creation for away for free. No. But, but in case of, like, a service, you just, you need to give something that is of great value. Right. And that's going to work just Exactly. And that comes from tr- sometimes just creating something, seeing if it sticks and going, oh, okay, that did it. Try, yep. so, try something. something else. Yeah. A lot of, especially when it comes to brand creation, is about trial and error. Yep, totally. If you want to do it right, there's just going to be a lot of, okay, pivot. And a quote that I've always stuck with, and this is actually something my dad taught me. He always told me, fail fast and pivot. Don't get stuck yeah. up on it. If it yeah. doesn't work, great, move on. Right. Learn, keep track of it, yeah. move. Exactly. Don't spend too much time, don't spend too much money. Right. Until exactly. you know, like, found gold, okay, bring in the uh, extra people that, ex- uh, what is what? it? <laughs> the team what that extracts the ex- The extraction team? No, there's another word for it. About? Like, if you find, like, jewel jewels or there's oh, a- Oh, the exit t- Oh, Oh, you mean your, your escape, like, car? No, no, what? never mind. I, I just- I have no idea the, what you're talking about. Okay, okay anyway, no, if you think gonna... about it. Yeah, hold on. I'm gonna see if if you're, oh my gosh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh... Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's, the, that's like the basis of brand, branding, of creating your brand. It must be built on something that, on, in the end, it needs to convert. You need to make a profit off of your brand, otherwise you're, it's going to fail. Right. You can't sustain itself. I mean, when it comes to like actually just creating like an Instagram and being like an Instagram celebrity, there's not a whole lot of money that actually needs to go into that unless you're buying fancy cars and clothes and then using that to gain your, Audience. which is oh, such a bad idea. <laughs> you're not going to make that money back for a long time and you, if you do, like right. if you even do. Right. Um, so that's the basics, the foundation of branding. In the next few months, we're, uh, next, next few months, the next few weeks over this month of October, we're going to be going through the entire thing. But I go on, we want to kind of end on this, and it's already been, I can't believe we've already gone this, this long. I know. I, mean, I thought, I was like, I'm worried I so hard, like, we don't have enough content, which I always do worry about, but in this case, um, if we, so we're going to look at a brand, and I stumbled upon this thing, I was looking for brands that have really great, just understand their audience well, because I wanted to relate to this. Right. And all the brands I could think of, we already went through. I was thinking like, oh, movement. Nope, done. I was like, Apple. No, done. We already <laughs> done that. And I was like, I don't want to go through the same brand again. Um, if you haven't heard those podcast episodes, we're pitting companies and brands against each other. It was glorious. It was a lot of fun. It was bloody. Um, <laughs> but it, in the end, some, you know, some great brands, we really had a hard time like, seeing which one actually won out across all the different facets of their marketing. So that was back a couple, I mean, a couple of months ago at this point. I now. know. Crazy. Oh my gosh. Episodes probably like what, like 18 through 22, maybe your guess is as good as I mine. I have no idea, but we wanted to look, so I, I someone upon this thing and I want to start off this segment with this quote, Cu- customers trust companies that they feel understand them. They respect companies that they believe respect them in return. Mm-hmm respect that word and even though for me i talk a lot about this word like just maybe personally not necessarily really on my podcast but it's just it's something that i respect (laughs) right is 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 like respect is something that's just very important to me i mean that's how i gauge my friendships business relationships brands all of it all based on respect mutual respect and i wanted and i found this company and i knew out of of course i've heard of them they're the big one of the biggest outdoor brands out there if not the biggest rei Sorry, R- yeah, R-E-I, R-E-I. 
Um, if you haven't heard of them, um, maybe you're not an outdoorsman. I'm not really one myself. I have been camping, but I've I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars on camping equipment. <laughs> uh, that's not me. But just to get a glimpse of their company, in uh, on Black Friday, it was 2015. So this this article is written on uh, 2016. It was a Harvard Business Review. Um, so reputable, right? And this was written in 2016. I couldn't find if they actually did this year after year. In Black Friday 2015, they closed all of their stores to let their employees spend time with their family. AKA raid other stores on Black Friday. Right. And most companies, like, that is the shopping day. Yeah. Like, uh, across the board, right? Guess what? Their revenue went up 9.3% that year. Wow. To $2.4 billion. And their digital sales went up 23%. Because if you close your doors, People can just buy online. Yeah. Like, it's such a brilliant move, especially why going back to the audience, understanding the audience and who they are, you have backpackers who mostly, like outdoors people, they respect nature. They're very conscientious. They're usually very very supportive of nonprofits and human rights. Closing your doors and saying, we're respecting our employees and giving them time to spend with their families on this day... That's appealing to that target audience. Absolutely. And they can just buy online. <laughs> like, it's a, it's such a win. And that's when it comes to understanding the audience. And, and that is what allows them to take such a gamble and take such a risk right. in doing that. Right. And even if you look, so if you look, um, if you're just on their website, it's beautiful. It's just, it's, it's made to their target market. All the links to all of this will be in the show notes, socialmarketingpodcast.com. Um, it's just, it's just a beautiful, well, clean website. It's updated. It's modern, but at the same time, it just has such a great feel about it. It's just that everything about it is just chosen. I just love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm actually curious to see your perspective because you're not an outdoors woman at all. I'm not, but I'm trying to be. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, we have this picture on their Instagram that will show like, that's my idea of camping. It's a picture of a tent with an inflatable mattress, blankets. I think it was like a TV in there. It looked great. That's that's my go-to. <laughs> but just across the board, in fact, so if you go to the, over to their Instagram, um, their, their tagline is a member-owned co-op since 1938. Boom! Mic drop. We believe a life outdoors is a life well-lived. Like it, I, I like, I, I'm, yeah. you know me, like things that like emotionally resonate, like I'm very emotionally in tuned with things. And so we were having this conversation about like how I'll tear up at stuff like that. And it's not negative at all. It's just because like, I am like, it resonated with me yeah. emotionally and it's a positive emotion. So even just reading that, I actually didn't, I actually didn't read that when I looked at this, like it just, I like, I almost like started tearing up just from the emotion that it represented. <laughs> I, know. I just like the logo. And then the hashtag opt outside. Yeah. I mean, it's well done. They, their branding's on point. And if you look at their Instagram, it's all shared photos from their consumers. Yeah. Every single one. And it's absolutely beautiful. This is, yeah, this is your, your idea. The picture. Let's see. And then do the tag? Huh? I'm wondering. So, yeah, it's just, it's just beautiful. Like, everything about it is just glorious. I mean, they just such, they know their brand, they know their audience, and then they pursue it. It just, yeah. So, 
an idea of an amazing brand that we di- don't have any stake in. We don't follow them, so we don't have any kind of emotional stake in what they sell yeah. or their audience or their brand at all. But still, we were able to look at that and go, wow. Like that it's impressive. Just, it really is. It and is. It, it makes you it makes you like want to find brands that you love that like follow the same route that these right. people do. And in fact, so um, I think just to end with this, this is something interesting. And, and again, link will be in the show notes. Um, I found this study that the Harvard Business Review does, and it's called the cons- Customer Quotient. And they do this, as far as I can tell, every year in the U.S. and the U.K. I downloaded both reports. They have lengthy reports on it, different businesses, how they relate to the customers, the emotions that it, it's just very well done. Interesting. Except for the actual design, which is so hard to read. It's sideways, the text is small. I'm like, I have to zoom in, I have to like scroll, I have to zoom over. Like, it's just, I'm like, why would you do this? Why would you design it this way? It looks beautiful, but it's just hard to read. Yeah. I highly recommend you download it. It's free. You just put, you know, you put in your email and they'll get your email. It's a, called a lead magnet. <laughs> uh, and in fact, it's a, it's a great lead magnet. Yeah. Um, but it's just a lot of, I was just fascinated. Like I was, I was just finding out about all this stuff while preparing for this episode. I was just going, wow, I didn't know this exists. I didn't know anything about this. And REI was their top um, business for 2017. Hey, that's awesome. And I was looking at the other ones. The other ones I felt like I was really surprised and I wanted to like go through all of them, just look. Mm-hmm. But they, they didn't really seem to, I mean, except for, I think there was two on there that we've already gone through. Okay. They just, I, I didn't see how they really understood their like as customers as well as some of the other brands on there. Got it. And so I was really surprised that it's like Charles Schwab was on there, which I was like, okay, I get, but like top 10? Yeah. Like out of all the businesses? <laughs> So, interesting pick. Right, interesting pick. And I'm sure they had a limit on, like, maybe they did, like, um, 500 revenue, what, uh, 500, the top 500 companies. That's the name. Fortune 500. You, yeah. <laughs> yes, that one, that group. <laughs> so that's our that's our show. Uh, that's the podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, this has been, this is actually, that was, a, I mean, I had fun. This was, I, I love I, branding. I, I hope you could tell. I was just, I was just having a great old time. <laughs> I think Clara was too. Uh, I did. I, I, but I tended, this Yeah, but I tended to like, to just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to talk about everything that it's, I've learned. It's amusing for me to watch you react to yeah. this stuff. So, uh, like I said, the entire month of October, we're going through a bunch of really cool branding stuff, non-verbal design. Like, that's <laughs> going to be my favorite. Like, just, I can't wait for that. So stay tuned for that. More fun stuff. Coming up next week, every Monday, except for when I need to go to the ER, we end up publishing on Wednesday instead. Because <laughs> <laughs> that know, was our last. Just those those yeah, little tr- outings. At the time of recording this, I just published our last. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I was otherwise inca- inca- incapacitated. Fine now. All's good. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to check out the Social Marketing Podcast for show notes and more. Follow our socials at Caffeinated by Design. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah? Yeah. We will see you next week. Bye.